USS Post Show is flying through space once again. Hello, everyone. My name is Flobo Boyce, the number one of Commander's Log, the unofficial Star Trek Discovery Post Show. And we're going to be reviewing, uh, what's that episode called? Terraformer Part 2, because the numbers and naming conventions this season are all over the place. But I'm not alone. I am being joined as a man as cool as this week's upside down intro. Please welcome Captain John Weber. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, baby. Yeah! <laughs> Thanks for having me first. Who thought you would? <laughs> I'm telling you, I really want to meet the mirror version of you and me. We we got to figure out uh, how to do that. He probably me. has a flat top in my case. <laughs> he probably has a high top fade. This is, with like no beard. Just totally just a high top fade. Looking so like, you got uh, the, the kid in play. You oh, yeah. The, the dude from Hey Arnold. That's what it's, that's what it's, uh, we're, but we're not alone as we discuss Terraformer Part 2. I'm being joined by the next Terran Emperor in waiting. Please welcome Lieutenant Commander of Aldebaranista. How's it going, sir? It's hey, guys. Hey, 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 hey Oliver. Hey. Welcome, man. Terraformer. Right? Terraformer, baby. <laughs> so glad you're joining us this week, man. Just talking Star Trek, bunch of guys just going through space at a billion miles an hour and all that. Just let me ask you first, because you're the guest this week, but it's overall thoughts today's episode. It's a two-parter, so you have the, the stuff from last yep. week with this week, and tie up the way you want to. Did you feel it? Were you like, meh? What would you land? It was, it was a great conclusion. Uh, I thought they did very well with it. Um, yeah, just it was cool seeing another uh, Michelle Yeoh fight scene. It's like, I don't know yeah. what we're going to do without that anymore. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, just just hearing all those uh, those yeah those beautiful lines being read today, um, and for from Jojo and even from Burnham as well, you know it's just it's really this nice poetry dance going on, and then finally getting to that to the end of this to the end where uh, what is it? Uh, I don't want to like go into too much because I know we're gonna go talk it, about man. this later. Everyone who's uh, seen the show has seen those episodes. We're gonna have to yeah, spoil okay, away. Cool. Yeah. Right, so when we when we get when we finally get to the end, where you know where uh, where Jojo's there, and we're talking to like the guardian, and and she's thinking, and we're thinking, oh, okay, cool, she made it. We're gonna she's gonna stay on the show, and we're gonna keep going. And then all of a sudden, they just like flip it on us, and it's like, oh crap, you know. It's just, I love it when they put in a twist in any show, and it's just like it's so plausible, you know. Just yeah. like, oh cool, I'm flying with it. I'm going. I'm there. So yeah, it's just really well done, man. Yeah. Just a quick follow-up question for you, Oliver, before I ask John his thoughts, because I know he got some he got some feelings up in his head. <laughs> uh, your journey with Star Trek Discovery is a little bit different, a little bit unique. Uh, you are a Star Trek fan historically, but it took a, a bit of a second or third attempt to be ingrained in the Discovery universe. Just let's just let people who don't know your story about your journey back into the fold. Yep. Um, just like on most things, I I kind of blame it on my son. Because when uh, Discovery first came out, he was probably like a year and a half or something like that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So I I would try to watch it like in between naps or you know after he fell asleep, and I'm just like dead tired. And it's like the last thing I want to watch is a Star Trek show that's not relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's so intense, and it's really got to pay attention, and every moment's just like boom, boom, boom. You know the next thing. So I'm just I was just like okay, so it. It took me a little while. He got a little older, so now I have more time to digest things. And yeah, we came back to the show, and um, it turned out like my wife and I we like we started to to watch it again, and and it it turns out this is her favorite Star Trek now. You know what? Yeah, I feel partially responsible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks, and yeah, you you pushed me to keep watching it because. Yeah, 
So I thanks. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate yeah. that. John, I got to see how you ask about this one because I know you call us Star Trek redheads and there was some redhead action there. Captain Killian was involved, <laughs> you know, your girl. Uh, but how does how this all wrap up for you? For Giorgio, for everyone, just overall thoughts on the episode. You know, um, this is one of those storylines that's been hanging uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I read the forums and I take in what other people say and what they think and that kind of, uh, that always helps. You know, I, lo- I love other people's thoughts on this. And what I was seeing was some people saying like, well, you know, Giorgio is Taryn and she's just inherently predatory and cruel and uh, specious. You know, she only she only likes humans and, you know, she inherently has all of these things. Why are they so accepting of her? And what was beautiful about part two here was now that she's been taken back to the Terran Empire, her empire that she helped make, she helped build, uh, she doesn't fit in anymore because she has evolved so much being over on our side of things where kindness and uh, uh, compassion and intelligence uh, and emotion and empathy are all, you know, allegedly important. (laughs) Rumors are swirling, they're important. I mean, you know, for a lot of us, those things are important, but... uh, But, you know, now that we've seen how much she's changed, I felt I felt the the ending of this episode was then uh, inescapable. Mm. We had to get to a point because medically she couldn't stay with Discovery anyway. Right. And and now there was also a spiritual and a philosophical reason why she couldn't stay. And that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. And now she's a woman with no worlds. She's a woman, you know, who has to completely make a brand new life uh, wherever she was taken at the end. Little, little spoiler if we're going through this, you know, step by step. Yeah. And, uh, and that makes her even more interesting. That actually, it makes me very happy that we gave her this kind of set off send off we like i'm part of it they asked you man is this an email and everything <laughs> what <do> we do? <laughs> well, okay but, so we, we talked yeah. about her her journey away but i i want before we get to all that because the implications are there there's rumors about other shows and spinoffs and all that let's talk about her weighing process i guess the first three acts of the episode <laughs> really uh this, this, you're still in this world like it comes back into terror it, it isn't that 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 weird framing device where you got burned outside going I wonder where JoJo is. Like, it makes you feel like this is the this is her her life now. She's in there for right. like what three months of three of months. data she has, and basically it was a winding path that had its own twists and turns. Now, Oliver, let me ask you this, man. You know, JoJo and Burnham, they've been having these star-crossed lover things. You know, star-crossed mother-daughter things, and seeing JoJo, this JoJo, torture Burnham because of an insurrection over the concept of what was weak was to me like pathos you know what I mean? it was it was yeah it was like Shakespearean, dude mm-hmm. yeah about that? Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah totally man it, was, it definitely was was there man i just when you said that like the the path of star-crossed lovers i just i just thought of like oh man i'd want to see like the mirror side of like frodo and sam like, just totally different <laughs> thing <laughs> <laughs> totally different thing but, yeah. that's ever doing sped off man it's called yeah. journey a million miles <laughs> saw runs long uh, yeah <laughs> And um, yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it's just to, like to kind of like go off what you were saying, John, about like about how this is it, it's it's she goes on this new journey. It's 
um because i just couldn't stop thinking about how she kept saying like the future is unwritten and and, and so and so now they're she's able to do her own thing so i don't know it's i don't know i feel like this this thing this this episode really spoke to me just in in the way that it was it was really about like asking like who are you and like who do you want to be and how yeah. does your how you know like i think you guys talked about it in the previous episode about like how how your choices you know define who you are and you know your you know set your path forward and whatnot so i don't know i think that this was like it in a way it was it was kind of like holy crap like she's throwing her in the agonizer to get what she wants even though it's supposed to be like towards peace and light and like love but it's um i don't know it was it was quite the ride i i, I don't know how to how to actually say like oh talk about the emotion it definitely was there like yeah yeah. There's a, there's a lot of emotional things about choices we make, uh, and I'm glad you touched oh, yeah. upon that because because there's some choices that I did have a feeling about before I get to that because you guys didn't call to the show to hear me do uh, film theory theses. Uh, but John, <laughs> let, let me ask you your opinion uh, about this. Knowing her future, her fate was the first time, and Giorgio trying to change it, knowing that no matter how much he did, that was different. The result was the same. Uh, to talk about the second ride for Giorgio inside this Terran universe, thoughts about her choices to make or decide to spare Mar Michael's life, all that stuff. Right. Well, huge, uh, as you guys have been saying, huge row of conflicts that she had to go through uh, because everyone's saying, why aren't you being like the old Giorgio? Why aren't you being like the Giorgio that we've known up to this point? And all of the pressure on her to try to make her decisions look like old Giorgio and still be true to what's deep down. Because honestly, I didn't realize she felt that way about Saru until we see her in the Terran universe dealing with that Saru and, and realizing she just doesn't want to kill this person or that person. She just doesn't want to waste life or crush it under the heel of her boot the way she had always done as the emperor. And we got to see, in last episode, we got to see sort of the gorgeousness. Uh, and now in this episode, it's gritty and it's bloody and sweaty and everybody's just being, you know, pushed to their absolute limits. So you really were heading towards a conclusion that was uh, inescapable. Yeah. And I kind of dug that because that's how a Giorgio story should go. I don't necessarily love that in all my stories, but if Giorgio is my main character here, it's got to be hard. It's got to be rough because that's the kind of person she is. Oh, uh, absolutely. That's the kind of person she is. It's nice. uh, it, the exchanges between Giorgio and Saru um, uh, hit me in the feels. Uh, you know, there's a yeah. lot of parallels. I mean, look, Star Trek is all allegory, right? That's kind of the thing. They'll they'll have episodes and have arcs about things they can pull from the world. But like, you know, as a minority, it, it, I mean, it's kind of hard not to see that uh, the ruling class, uh, people based on their race, and I mean, obviously, no one's been going resort to cannibalism in our country. But there is something there, and in fact, um, so far. Yes, please don't eat me, man. I know I have a lot of fat in there, but it's not calorically oh, efficient. Get behind me, guys. I'm like seven <laughs> meals right here. You guys will be fine. That's a little Hunger Games. I follow to distribute. Yeah. <laughs> eat yeah. him. Um, that could turn quickly. Easily. <laughs> it's like Book of Eli. You're like shaking your hands. Yeah. 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 I instantly thought of the road. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. gosh. Oh, oh man. man. Wait, so I said Book of Eli. So that was like even more dark and depressing. <laughs> 
Uh, but, but the whole exchange of about, I guess, educating Saru about Bararai, basically saying you don't have to die or whatever, like led to one of the most impactful scenes at the end in the last bits of it, uh, when Saru figures it out in his own way. Like, yo, pff, you ain't real. Um, and this is, this, is, this is crazy. When I have in my notes, I'm going to read it as I wrote them because I was like, Damn, Giorgio tells Kelvin the fable of Saru gives you some of the feels. There are some eloquent references to here as a minority when people travel abroad. When she says, quote, survive, that's how you honor your ancestors, and, quote, teach others what you know, that's how you avenge them, instead of resorting to violence or starting to fall away. For me, this was like the complete, this is where to me the arc was complete, way before Giorgio decides to travel back in time. But to me, this is the judgment, the compassion, the, the things that you didn't think Giorgio season one ever had is all rolled into one over a species she literally used to eat. <laughs> like, yeah. it blew my mind, man. Blew my yeah. mind. You know? And, and that's how you see what the survivor is uh, in the Terran uh, uh, universe. You know, the survivor is someone who survives. You don't necessarily win. You survive. And it's an act of defiance to survive in a world like that. That's true. That's true. The only way you survive is out of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Being the top I, dog. Yeah. And you guys know, being writers, you know, I, I, I dabble whenever I can, but I'm always running into these walls that I think people who have actually written a lot of stuff are like, uh, yeah, that's kind of the job, which is, it's always conflict. Things never get better. Well, they do get better, but then they get worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You murder your darlings. You know, nothing gold can stay. The center cannot hold. And that's how you tell stories. And it's hard because we really just deep down just want to be people who feel and who love our characters and who love the world that they're in. And you don't get to keep it. It almost yeah, yeah. never stays. That's so true. Must be a lot of drinking in this writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in awe of these writers, too. That's so funny you would bring it up, because I cannot believe the stuff th these writers do. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. It is so much fun. And, yep. A quick question for you, Oliver. Man. Did you believe that Burnham was broken, or did you saw the double cross coming, or do you think it would be better direction? I don't know. I feel like it probably would have been like more like old-school Star Trek if they had if if she had gone like just a bit okay she's cool now like she's gonna go along and play along and and now they're gonna go you know be be mom and daughter and and rule the world or rule the empire but um you kind of feel it was coming i guess you know it kind of felt too soon especially with her saying that she's gonna kill everyone and, you know that that seemed quite angry i guess but <laughs> i don't know i well, but i guess the one thing i couldn't tell was like how long she was in there for like how how long was was she there and even though Captain Kelly being so excited and almost doing like a skip and hop when she found out she had free reign. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. And so even I mean, they built it up very well and you're just like, maybe, but then, you know, they, like you said, John, it's like, it never holds, right? There's yeah. something, cause some, we know something's going to happen. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Star Trek so world. Romantic. Yeah. 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 I thought she was going to kill Michael by accident this time. You know what I mean? Uh, like, like a wayward sword or something. Oh, my girl that I broke and rebuilt my image. I did not see Michael being like, oh, yeah, those guys I killed. Just kidding. I just, to me, I did not see that coming at all. That like, was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. But it's very Terran. 
it's true. extremely yeah. Terran. And yeah. I wish, uh, could you guys help me remember this? I should have written it down, but there's a moment where Giorgio is talking to Mirror Universe uh, Burnham, and she says, um, when you think strength is power, shoot, I got to look that line up again. But she was so describing what we have now in, mm-hmm. in the U.S., this idea that there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. believe that just strength in and of itself is a deserving leadership power. Right. And that it's not, you know, so I think what they're trying to tell us is if you take all the bad undercurrent of what's going on right now in the U.S. and you just blow that up into a a galaxy and you just send this, you know, let's, I'll say it, this MAGA bus into space with guns a-blazing, this is what you're going to end up with, uh, hatred and fear and, uh, and and they're not being a center and driving all of these alien races who hate each other to become friends to become allies just to oppose you <laughs> yeah right and i think that that to me was the allegory i pulled from this one you know that it wasn't like isolationism i guess neo isolationism and i could do this whole psychological thing but other countries are doing it too brazil yeah. england that's happening globally that's right but but like the coalition was really was interesting granted it was more of a plot device than an actual coalition but i thought that was really astute that they have so many different races um the romulans the andorans the Tellarites, and the klingons come together like voltron and take off this terran empire it says a lot about what the Terran Empire was doing and why yeah. Georgia looked compromised in her position. So, yeah, yeah. Hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, that's right. But. Yeah. Yeah, might is right. <laughs> yeah. Coming on. Yeah. We're Absolutely. having diplomacy, right? We're having diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the great story, uh, you know, here's me being a theater nerd, but uh, the great story behind Camelot is that. Um, the the idea of chivalry is that you overcome might makes right and yeah. and you try to create a, a a system in which power protects the powerless mm-hmm. and that's always been starfleet um always it's mostly that. starfleet <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to look fly helping out people, bro. I don't want to be like <laughs> helpful. Yeah. No. Well, there's plenty of that too. There's plenty of Studley is it makes right, dead, y'all. Woo! No, I'm just <laughs> but, model, y'all. I apologize. <laughs> this is superheroes, you know. Yeah. It is. Yeah. This is how we get superheroes because they're so much more powerful mm. and they're so much more godlike than we are, but. They feel uh, tenderness and empathy for us, and they they feel protective. Yeah, there's a there's a whole argument that uh, Superman is Jewish. Yes, Jewish you know dream. because he comes through uh, the story of Moses, and he mm. uh, you know he is brought to a new land, and he serves new people, and uh, you know he uses his powers, he uses his abilities for the people that took him in. I, you know, I I love stuff like that. Yeah. It's almost you know, yeah. I come from a Christian family. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Superman was created by Jewish Americans. Sure. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Superman's this blue-eyed, dark-haired guy. He's got the little curl in the middle of his forehead. That's my favorite Superman, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I am pro curl. All you anti curl fools in the day. I never thought much of it, but yeah, I'm with the curl too. Uh, one of the things I, I thought was a cool red herring, Oliver, was the the 
the tea that you might might have seen Lorca, but we don't. Um, I just want your opinion on a very very small role by uh, Mr. Duggan because he was kind of like the 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 surrogate for Lorca here. Um, just performance wise, he hit his hit his marks. Was it flat? Was it random? Thoughts about that? It I don't know. It it felt it felt I guess normal watching it, but now that you bring it up, I'm like hmm. I guess it was kind of a device. They used to kind of transition into like, oh yeah, you can't trust her, and then you know, blam. But um, but still, I, I don't know. When you brought that guy Doug in, like when I first saw him, I was like, hey, wait, is that Carl? Like, you know, like that was an interesting mm. casting choice. <laughs> like, yeah. wait a minute, like who is this guy? Yeah, it, it was so close. And then um, but uh, I don't know, man. I yeah, I I didn't really expect to see Lorca because I figured he would he would come in like in part one if we were going to see him at all, and then um, but then yeah, seeing Doug in there. I guess he, you know, he fulfilled his role in, in, in what he was supposed to do. Yeah. So did we, did we need it? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it was a interesting choice, but it was a good, I guess it served as a good transition because we needed that turning point. So, yeah. We knew by his presence. I absolutely agree, Oliver. We knew by his presence that there was an organization and that there were steps uh, that came out. It wasn't just Lorca's show that there was a resistance mm. that Lorca was part of, and he he had these units, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. It's always uh, yeah. fun to see guest stars. Like, I wonder. I wish we took a guest star ranking. You know, how many guest stars we had that were dope. How many were kind of eh. How many were like one or more of? Oh uh, man. Now I'm yeah. making me nervous. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is usually I look at someone like that and I go, well, he must be somebody. He must be, you know, right. he's he's not. He's an actor named Daniel Cash. He's Canadian. Just does some uh, stuff, you know. Yeah, oh, oh, always the Canadian. Uh, so it, turns out, <laughs> it turns out in real world life, uh, Georgia was out for less than a minute, but she was out for three months as far as she's concerned um, when she wakes up. Carl, which I still think is Lieutenant Brass from <laughs> CSI, uh, says, <laughs> and we are talking about this before, John, about the, the rumors of what Carl's role will be, and I don't want, I want you to take this, of what people thought it was and what did it end up happening. After. You know, uh, it's funny, I read a great article, and probably what we're going to do, I, this is a hell of a time to bring it up, uh, Flobo, but um, when we go into our next series, uh, we're we're gonna have to have like a page because i i really wanted to like share this article with everybody but like mm. we don't have a presence yet so we're gonna need some sort of presence that we can do this because there was a big argument going on carl uh played by and it's paul guilfoyle yes uh <laughs> irishman uh <laughs> I'm Irish. Uh, I think we're Which one is it, John? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the big argument, is he a Q or is he something else? And there was a great argument for he's something else. Uh, the The idea of being a Q is almost always um, your name is Q. And then there is a character, Quinn, who's also of the Q continuum, uh, but that name begins with a Q. So there, there was this huge question of like, well, why would they break that rule? And then there were the argument that it was in fact this character from the original series called the Guardian of Forever. <laughs> from the albums, uh, from the album, yeah. I'm <laughs> 
so I used to being a disc jockey. <laughs> from, from the episode City on the Edge of Forever, uh, which starred, um, oh my gosh, what's that, uh, what's that gal's name? Ah, Edith Keeler, played by Joan. She was in Dynasty. Help me out, boys. Joan. Oh, for my time, Jeez, man. man. Yeah. I was yeah. I, after I remember seeing it on TV. I need yeah. old people. That's what I need. Fresh Joan. out, John. <laughs> Wake me up when my soup is warm. Joan Collins. Uh, so um, in it, they uh, get some information about her. So it's very much like Quantum Leap, this episode. Mm. Um, there's a bizarre thing where McCoy just accidentally ODs on a drug that makes him crazy. He takes like future angel dust or something. Sweet. He jumps in this magical window that we uh, know as the guardian of forever and is lost in time. And so uh, Kirk and uh, Spock have to go after him. And they just jump through this giant portal that takes them through. But at some point, they try to check to see if what they've done works. And they do it by seeing a newspaper clipping from a newspaper called the Daily Star. Mm-hmm. Now, when we meet Carl on this planet, Danis 5, um, he is reading a paper and he goes, well, hey, this is about you. And he shows her one of her possible futures in a newspaper called the Daily Star. That's a deep cut man, for OG fans. I am in <laughs> awe of people who can pull that from their brain, dude. It's like, holy crap, man. That just ruined my next question. Like, Thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sorry. Um, it was now, cool. if, I, if I hadn't had a, a bunch of really great nerds who put together that article, I couldn't have told you this. I would have heard squad. Put me on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I would have walked into parties and be like, it's obviously from the first episode. <laughs> well, what's beautiful about it is once I saw that, all my memories about that just started to do that, like the end of the usual suspects, like, Wait, yeah, there was a, oh, and it had a voice. Oh, wait, it was a person. And it said it was older than time. And, you know, and we already know that the sphere is on the sort of same, uh, the sphere that's tied to their computer is already on that sort of same, uh, you know, level that it's part of this. uh, It's been there for decades or, I'm sorry, uh, millennia. And it's super wise and it has all this knowledge that's been lost to time. So you are dealing with a super intelligence, a super being, which is another thing that Star Trek does really well. They have a million of those. Million. They have a bunch of those. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that, that, well, I'm glad it paid off. And I think a lot of times, a lot of the best storytelling is layer storytelling, right? So if you're yeah. familiar with the Guardians of Forever, which are not the Guardians of the Universe, which is the Superior Guardians, go Green Lantern, uh, you would be like, wow, this is pretty awesome. But like, I'm still new to this as far as the, the amount of Star Trek I've seen. And yeah. I guess I had a little bit concerned. And my question, uh, I, I was going to say, but it was like, is a deus ex machina, a deus ex machina, if it's in a two-part episode? Cause it did seem kind of convenient. The sphere that it happened about is one guy just hanging out. But but yeah. now to explain it, I see why that is. Uh, but it's so a question for you, Oliver, ab- about the the mystery around Carl. Was it presented in a way that made you want to know more about the guy? Or was it kind of like, I know he's important to get to it. Like I, I just want to know your opinion about the character development of Carl. I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was well played. Uh, the casting was really, it was, like, it was awesome. This guy was just like, spitting at you facts and just like being smart ass and just totally like it was just 
yeah, it just it just rolled very well. Um, did I want to know more about him? I just no, I I was okay with just where it was. You know, it it suited its 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 thing. It did its thing, and um, just wanted to see where Georgia was going to go from there. Yeah. yeah. Did it surprise yeah. you she decided then, or no? Sorry, what was it? Did it surprise you that she decided to go then? Oh, um, no. Not really. I mean, at the end, right? Like, yeah, if she decided yeah. to run, yeah. No, not at all. It, it felt right. It felt right. Yeah, like you were saying, John, like, there was, like, really was no other choice for her, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, the thing, going back to the thing about the queue, though, because I, it did, I, I was kind of wondering that in the beginning, but I think for me, like, the one thing that was, like, this guy's not a queue is just, like, I felt like in the past, it's like, you don't go to see the queue, right? They come to you. And it's always like it's always inconvenient. You know? That's a good point. So, a, yeah, they're they're like interveners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like oh, I'm having like the greatest time of my life, and then like boom, something they show pop up, or you're in the middle of a war, and they fucking pop up. I mean, just some you know bad timing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. like uh, Mister Miss Picklick from like the Superman comics. Ah, yeah. You never ask for him; he just shows up. Like, and the cartoon had Gilbert Godfrey as a voice, which is even more annoying. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I <hate ourselves. laughs> oh. Perfect. Uh, well, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, this, I'm going to ask you about this, too, because you are so good at, like, giving characters journeys in your writing. Um, so, Thanks, so, No problem, yeah. man. Uh, Giorgio <laughs> walks through that portal, and we don't really see the crazy sound. You don't see the sound. You don't see the, the visual effects, fine, whatever. Uh, when Burnham is telling Saru about Giorgio, and, and then Saru goes, is she deceased? And she goes, no, but... And she goes, she's deceased. I want to know how that worked for you. Did it work for you? Was it kind of like a out of character more for Sir? Did it make sense for Sir to say that in the way he did? It, to me, it made sense in that, like, um, kind of like what they did at the end of season two, as far as like the people who were left behind. Um, it's like them telling them, that, "Oh yeah, Discovery, like it's gone, right? Like it just destroyed." I, I felt like that was like him kind of saying, like, "Okay, like." We're just gonna write. She's the seas because we're not gonna write about this, this damn thing, this portal thing. We have to explain this to the admiral, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, yeah, to me, that's what how it made sense. Sort that's of. profound, man. Yeah, it's sure. almost like the uh, the death at sea of a discovery. John, we thought. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, we hear the portal himself tell us these temporal wars were terrible for him, and um, that he he probably shouldn't even exist at this point. Because the temporal accords are so, so strict and, and so, you know, final. And um, so he's kind of lost. There, there isn't a lot he can do or a lot of people he can contact because he shouldn't exist. Um, right. Time travel, interdimensional travel, very frowned upon, um, universe-wide, universally. So uh, I kind of felt for him. And it's funny that they're using Paul Guilfoyle because I'll throw in my little thing, which is, yes, he was brass from CSI. Um, if you ever watched, and it's really worth watching, uh, The Good Fight. Okay. Um, which the just... on CBS Alexis? Yes, just like CBS, uh, uh, just like Discovery, The Good Fight was a CBS All Access uh, exclusive and a very, very good show. Very good show. But he plays a character on there that you shouldn't trust. He's a little, and so I feel like he's CBS's bad boy. Yeah, like, <laughs> CBS will do that. They'll find roles for you after the fact. You're like, what? He's in this? <laughs> it, you know, 
I, I don't know about you, Flobo, but every time I got acting work, I always hoped that at some point I would have like a Harry Mudd role or something like that. <laughs> and then people would be like, you know who we should get back? That guy who played that thing in that certain way. Like, I wanted to be typecast. Yeah. So God bless you, Paul Guilfoyle. You did a great job. I, I want I want another Mud episode. Not to say that, that that particular story was that great, but again, it's cool to have a... I guess it'd be unique in this show, in this universe, that one-off, right. like, villain of the week on this overarching type of show. Uh, just a quick announcement, man. Hey, Josh Ripplesell, thanks for strolling with us. He was a former guest on hey, the Hey, Josh! Come on back when you can. This is Commander's Log, uh, the unofficial Star Trek Discovery Pro Show, brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Look, man, next week is Christmas. What are you doing here for so Christmas? Fast. This is not done. It's the last night of Hanukkah. You already missed that boat. And Kwanzaa's around the corner. Go to Geek Renaissance on Instagram, at Geek Renaissance. Make sure you get yourself some earrings. Get yourself a resin uh, chest set with all the cool things from the Disney Universe and the Marvel Universe. All that nerd stuff, at Geek Renaissance on Instagram. Uh, about one more question about this whole George Orwell thing. Because this, this, to me, was like the moment where I was like, oh, we had the toast. And I thought at the end of it, and I'm so glad the writers, the people that be, decide to give us a very naturalistic eulogy, I guess. Mm -hmm. It'd be so cheesy. They were like, she was a bitch. She was like a mother. <laughs> they were like, yeah, she was an asshole. Like, she was a badass. She was, she was awesome. She was awful. I can't describe it. The, 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 the word choices between every other character were so tailor-made and so poignant for it. Um, that must be like, a job and a half. Oliver, walk me through this. Trying to write a group scene where everyone gets their moment, everyone gets their spot in a way that's unique to them and the situation. Yeah. Man, I just, I could, I imagine like a bunch of guys, a bunch of the, you know, writers, men and women, and then um, sitting around the table having drinks and just spitting out lines at each other, like talking <laughs> about Giorgio, man, because this is like, this is like my wife loves this show because of Giorgio. You know, my wife was a Janeway fan. And so now she's coming in, they're going into this, and it's just like, I, I haven't, I didn't spoil it for her. I was just like, you should watch the show, you know? <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> Don't watch the other show first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, man, it was, they, yeah, once again, they, 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 they nailed it. They did, they did really well with how they, with what they were saying and, and how, um, Man, it's just like I wish we could go back to that and just like watch it right now because yeah. I I want to hear like every everyone every person's line you know and how and then uh but of course you know Burnham coming in and at the end and just saying she was a pain in the ass and that was just like that was that was perfect yeah can yeah. I ask you what about Drojo was the most appealing to your wife like what did she like the most about her or um well you know <laughs> my wife always beats me up so. uh you know, like, <laughs> that was a very cautious look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just uh, she's she's I know she's always attracted to those strong women. Yeah, you know, she's uh, especially in in her, in her workplace. She's she's such such a strong. She's a leader, and, and I think she's just attracted to seeing other women like that. See other seeing other roles like that. Yeah, particularly Janeway, because that's why she's like, oh yeah, Janeway's badass. Yeah, and um, I think my wife actually took one of those. Uh, Sorry, not to mean to go on about her, but she took one of those uh, Star Trek like personality quizzes, you know, oh, and they sweet, tell yeah. you who you are. So okay, she's actually, <laughs> yeah, she got uh, she's a Jedzia Dex. So, oh, I see that. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of cracked up because I was like, oh yeah, she ends up with Worf. 
I'm working. Spoiler alert. I know. She's in three now. <laughs> it's like a good marriage. It's been 25 years, man. Spoiler alert. That's a good marriage right there. Good match. Yeah. Well, and one of the great things about Trek is one of the great things about um, opening up the world that we live in, the, the world of the viewers of Trek, is, uh, you know, Chainway was... Uh, in a show at a time when there was still like, what is a woman captain going to be like? <laughs> and that was like 20 years ago. And now we're or 25 at this point. And now we're at a point where it's like, what's this captain going to be like? It's mm -hmm. not so much the balancing being, a, being feminine, but also being a boss. It's not that so much anymore. It's like, be, be the most you can be. And let's see what that is. And let's benefit from that. Because Starfleet is not that different from a capitalist world that we live in, which is bring us your best. We're going to use it to make money. Yeah, it, it was a weird time. And, and again, I, I don't want to slip into like film school discussion, but like it was a weird time in the mid 90s when when a lot of these male dominated writers rooms tried to experiment with what a strong female character was. We're talking yeah. like La Femme Nikita, Xena Warrior Princess, Hercules, like. Um, the Cat's a Thief, uh, all these like a, a VIP with Pamela Anderson, like it's yeah. kind of like trying to experiment what a strong woman is, and and looking back on it, some things don't hold up, a lot of them don't hold up, uh, but some do, and I think Janeway is definitely a character that that resonates because it was reverse engineered. It was like, how would a Janeway respond to this? And eh, she's a woman, like you know, what I mean, like by the way, you know, and and when she, well, got, when she announced that she's yeah. gonna be in Star Trek Prodigy, I was like, oh, finally, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's an amazing um, quality to her. You're right. They built her backwards. They said she's a captain. She's very much in control of her ship. Now things are different with her her crew. She's got a very different crew now. And uh, and then in her off time, she enjoys coffee and romance novels. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's a full circle up. character. And we give a shout out to Leo Genesis, who was last week's guest, who says VIP deep cut. Well, it came on after Acapulco Heat, so ah, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, VIP uh, is a crazy deep cut. Leo is exactly right. Yo, I was a Captain Zoom fan. I can go on this all day. I didn't have cable, man. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. <laughs> uh, moving on, though, on the other side of the ship, nearer to the detached cells. Uh, Booker makes himself useful. He's reading manuals left and right. He read both the field manual and the technical manual in his spare time because I wasn't going to do that. Uh, and possibly crack the code. Now, I was wondering, I was kind of concerned about Booker because I understand his role in the beginning of the season, being the first future man that Brynham sees. And by the time he was in the, in the bay with his, with his ship, I was wondering, man, I hope they're not keeping him around to keep him around. But it mm. seems now he somehow, one, brought back Jet Reno, <laughs> and, and two, uh, helped out with the Covenant ship. John, I'll start with you, man. Booker's journey reappearance. Thoughts? Fantastic. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that was great about Deep Space Nine is um, there is constantly a jockeying of Bajor and Cardassia trying to get into uh, the Federation. Mm -hmm. So that never that never stops and and it creates a lot of story and a lot of conflict uh when we are introduced to the future version of starfleet and it's basically a dilapidated strip mall version of starfleet that um no one really wanted to be in it so 
we're very slowly meeting people who are going, you know what? I kind of like how you guys do stuff in Starfleet. And now Booker's like the new true believer. And I like that. Yeah. Because he's not Starfleet. He probably wouldn't make it through the Academy. And we do run into that with, uh, you know, Starfleet's not sure how much they trust Booker. But Booker understands how much they could help his world and the world's, you know, in in his life. So I like that. He's got a reason to be there now. It's not just he's got his van parked in the driveway and, uh, you know, sometimes Burnham goes out to the van and it starts a rocking. So weird. <laughs> at, at first, I thought that was what it was going to be. Before, bro, you can transport anywhere. Why would you go out to the shuttle bay to transport? You're just, you're just showing everybody you're about to go have some good time. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you're right, man. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, like, I like where this is going. I also like the lack of trust because Admiral Vance, in the great tradition of Starfleet, uh, admirals is not an easy to like person. He's not someone who makes things easy for you. So we're still getting more conflict from that. Now we've got these two ends of the future here. There's Starfleet. We do things a certain way. Then there's Booker, who's like, I- I've had to live on my wits forever. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a big conflict between the two. And Michael, of course, going to be right in the middle. Oh, of course you would be. Imagine if this thing happened. Michael's like, I'm getting snacks. I'm out. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's her man, bro. Uh, you know, well, let me ask you that, too. I mean, you know, Booker decides to be a help to Saru. And to his credit, last week went the direct pro- where, pro- approach to find out more about what's going on with the distress signal. Uh, is it the right play for him? As somebody who's a courier who goes by his own rules, does it, does it really behoove him to work alongside Starfleet here? No, not really. I, I actually... Wanted him to stick around. I, I enjoyed the character and I enjoyed uh, the chemistry between him and Burnham. Yeah. And uh, I like the fact that she's, you know, they're going into the uh, shuttle bay. Uh, it's like perfect place. Um, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> interns. <I'm> yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. Um, no, having him around is good. Uh, him obviously he is a good guy. He wants to do good things. He wants to make the universe right and you know restore nature and all the environment and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a good play on his part, and as a smuggler, I mean, man, he has access to all this technology. He's got all of that dilithium in his ship. It's like, dude, why not? Yeah, yeah, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're a man of the heart of gold. Uh, just, just real <laughs> quick, quick, also, we got the return of uh, Jet Reno, uh, Eden Licorice. I didn't think she's a licorice person. Um, I had forgotten about her. Uh, to be honest with you, I forgot. Not in a bad way, but I felt like she was uh, coming back to say, "Hey, look, I'm still a part of this crew, y'all." Uh, do you think that that she might be Booker's first friend? Hmm, that's a good question. I do with those every once in a while, John. I can't work like this. I can't work like this. <laughs> I'm one of those worst people to have as a friend and coworker because that I think suck. I'm so. I think I'm such a genius that when people think of things that I didn't think of, I'm like, this oh, guy's man. like a prophet. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if that character is capable of having friends. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just have worked. I mean, I'm sure you guys have too, right? I just worked with someone who was like that salty, and it's like your friends for like five minutes, and then it's just like, okay, they're in their own world again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be, I guess it'd be kind of cool to see them kind of like give each other shit. You know? Sorry. Is that <laughs> because? Because like, yeah. the internet, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know? Yeah, it'd be fun. 
it'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm uh, kind of curious. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like they have a lot of really great parts right now, and they build things. It's Legos. You build something great with the Legos, still got some Legos left over over here. And so far, Jet is not uh, Jet can be really important in certain construction of Legos, but um, not always. And so, yeah, I mean, they did have a good reason which was she's been trying to uh, bring the, the ship up to code with all of this new stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. It's always a bad sign when one character goes, where the hell are you? Like I said, it was kind of like, yikes. You know, the whole cousin Oliver thing? We have a cousin. Right. Not, not you. I mean, okay. No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but she was complaining about, quote, uh, power diversion because she was changing plasma to fully polaric warp conduits. I'm not sure it'll come in handy, but I thought it was kind of interesting as that's the reason why she was written off. Uh, and, and, and Booker Book showed his worth. Uh, back to Admiral Vance, uh, there was a little bit of a boxing match between him and Saru, verbal lashing about withholding information. Poor Saru said, look, man, it's all about conjecture, but Admiral was like, it's because you got a thing for that Kelpian girl, don't you? I think it was kind of right, John. I don't know, what do you think? They were hinting around at that, where he was like watching it privately. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't be like, oh, oh my goodness. There goes our clean tag, bro. What? <laughs> Gangly gang. <laughs> Gangly? Oh. Keep hitting my mic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very important to remind us that it's not easy to be part of Starfleet. So I appreciate that. Appreciate that Admiral Vance is prickly. I appreciate that if you make a decision and it could be the the for the best reason possible. I did. I wasn't sure. I wanted to bring it to you when this was complete, um, and and to get caught on it and to have Vance like I don't trust you, yeah. you know. Very interesting storytelling. I don't, I don't know if you guys felt that way, but. Well, that's my question. Maybe I'm going to ask you, Oliver. Was Saru right, though? I mean, it kind of was conjecture, but he does have a reason to not take an extra time with seeing someone that looks like him. Yeah, I I don't know. I, that was the, that was a curious scene. I, I don't know what they were trying to... I couldn't quite grasp like what they were trying to say with that scene. It's like, um, is there something that's going to be revealed that they can't tell Star Starfleet? You know, is this something they're going to have to withhold in the future? So I thought it was a nice setup for, for what's to come. But I, so yeah, it really made me curious and maybe me want to watch the next episodes <laughs> on that end. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah, they're, they're good at like putting down the breadcrumbs and making you yeah. follow the trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's been a part of Discovery ZNI. I mean, going again, going back to the older shows. Uh, I understand this arc of storytelling. I think I'm seeing some of that stuff in Deep Space Nine, especially with the uh, uh, the Cold War between the Bajorians and the, and, and the uh, Cardassians. Not the Cardassians. Yeah. Always <laughs> and I don't mean to be oh, the Chloe's. We all know what you mean. Because I hate puns, man. I don't want to make a pun out of that. Um, there's definitely that arc storytelling. There's things that happen, but there's always like you know the space station. So with with Discovery being so like overarching storylines and, and so serial, you know, I, I wonder if that's going to pay off 
But then again, it, it's such a short exchange. I wonder, it was kind of like, oh man, we're short this week. So, so I, was, I wanted to see your opinion because I could see it both ways as being a filler of things because nothing really gets solved in this scene. But at the same time, I do see it being a plant for something else. I'm still yeah. waiting for Commander Nan to come back. I miss her. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you could do, we met Commander Nan. Yeah. I'd be happy for that. It's badass. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we roll into the, the final episodes of the season, I mean, this is episode, what, 10? Uh, we have about three or four to go. Uh, let me ask it to you, John. I mean, just overall thoughts. What do you think is going to happen the last three or four episodes? Granted, there's a season four, so you don't have to wrap up everything if need be. Right. But you can always uh, do some conjecture yourself. Well, um, I uh, again, being uh, such a nerd, I um, I found an article this week where I don't know if he was supposed to, but the man who plays Kovitch who is David Cronenberg, the great filmmaker uh, from Canada. Um, Again, Canada rules uh, the Star Trek (laughs) universe right now. Uh, David Cronenberg was being interviewed by, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter. It was, you know, big official. And he was like, yeah, no, next season, my character is going to maybe do this and maybe do that. And people are like, wait, your character is coming back for season four? (laughs) Wait, are they from the fifties wearing like fedoras? Like, hold on, there, bro. <laughs> cool. Got to run to a payphone and put a nickel in. <laughs> but Kovitch oh, is coming back, which is very exciting because not only does it mean we're going to see more of Kovitch, who has many question marks still around him. We don't know a lot about him at, at all. He doesn't seem to be military, um, and uh, and they're going to stay in the future. That seems to be how it is right now. They're not going back. Um, and they took care of Giorgio. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, exactly. that's not that's my question. I wonder what his role is going to be with Giorgio gone, deceased. Like, how would you bring him back to the fold? He's not a doctor, doesn't seem like. But uh, I don't know. I love a mystery. I think he could be anything, really. A psychologist, a, a medical doctor. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we know... We know that he's uh, fascinated with Terrans ever since he was a child. He knows all about the temporal wars. Like, he he has a lot of information up there in that noggin. So, yeah, very interesting to see what he's going to be. I tend to think he's intelligence. Okay. I don't know if that works for you guys. I don't know that there's a Section 31 around now, but he seems (laughs) to be, like, intelligence guy. I'll take it. Well, as long as that Earth Defense Force, right? Because as long those guys are jerks, <laughs> you know, uh, that's fine with me. Uh, same with the question for you, Oliver. Man, I mean, I know it's it's season four and it's been spoiled, Tom Holland style. Uh, but what do you see the next three or four episodes for this uh, season of Discovery? Oof, um, definitely something coming back with. Uh, oh God, I'm spacing out on her name. Is it Adira? Or... Yeah. Yeah, I, I always feel like, like that. Yeah. yeah, I always feel like yeah, Adira Tall. Yeah, I always feel like something's gonna cap. Something about that that storyline is going to help us, like you know, catapult us to that conclusion of the season. And um, you know, I'm I'm just looking forward to finding out what the hell caused the burn. And um, yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna get that by the yeah. end of the season. Right? <laughs> I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they did a great job at turning it into a mystery. So yes. I want to yeah. I want to see the solution to this. That just is, like we got is. a solution to Giorgio, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, uh, just uh, one quick question. I mean, you don't like to go too deep in this, but do you think Detmer's uh, storyline is, is completed? She got a groove back with that 
flying exchange a couple weeks ago? Uh, or do you think she's the last thing she has to work through? I'm just curious. That's that's a good. Sorry, you're asking me or, or I'm asking you, Oliver. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, no, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, because like after seeing her in the beginning and the way they set that up, I feel yeah that that definitely makes you feel like like something's gonna come back. Something's gonna something's gonna twitch or you know something's going to happen with the with the sphere. It's just like I don't know that because that. I'm sure you guys may have talked, may have uh, you know talked about this before about the spear, but like in that first episode when they were stuck in the ice, you know, um, yeah, or is it the second episode? Sorry, yeah, where they were second, yeah. they were stuck there, and I was just right. like, yeah. isn't this? I kept wondering, isn't the spear going to do something? Like you know, <laughs> like heat up the the the, the ship or whatever? But I'm um, tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like yeah, like there could be something 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 that's going to happen with with that. With Maybe taking over her, and since they showed us that it's definitely possible. Yeah, I mean, she's a real, uh, uh, she's a wild card. We don't know exactly what's going yeah. on with her. I actually loved in the episode where she was doing the flying around shooting thing. Uh, yes, <laughs> I love that where they were like, "Well, what if we had like a crazy person who just did it on her own?" And everyone looks at Detmer. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I sure am crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's give something to the X-Wing fans, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it. But we're yeah. buried in episode eight? That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, we, with- we needed a scene where uh, Grudge meows, and then Detmer goes, never tell me the odds. <laughs> Just put all the references we can in there. Grudge Baka. Uh, but it's a, it's about that time that we have to say adieu on the U.S. Uh. show. A lot of fun going through uh, this this episode, this two-part episode. We only get one every season, and we, I think we have one, maybe one more on the horizon when it's all said and done. Oliver, thank you so much for coming aboard. Lieutenant uh, Commander thank you, guys, man. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. Yeah. If thank people you are watching you right now and they want to be yeah. into your brand, how can they follow you online? Do you have anything out there you can go visit? Yeah. Oh, just don't. <laughs> All right, no, don't follow him. No, man. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, just yeah, enjoy this show, man. Enjoy Flobo and John, man. You guys, are, you guys are fun, man. So much Aww. fun out here. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Man. Thanks, Come on back. We should do like a round table <laughs> episodes. Uh, yeah, please, it. that'd be great. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, Captain, my Captain, where can anyone find you and stalk you online? Uh, you know, uh, because of this show, I spend so much more time on Twitter now. So uh, come on by Twitter. Hello, John Weber. And uh, also on the Instagram, still haven't quite figured out how to do that one. Grandpa doesn't understand all the new technology, Grandpa. but I am enjoying the Twitter. I follow at Hello, John Weber, because he promotes the show way more than I do. I really should have that. I just do the shows. Like, why is nobody here? But he actually promotes the shows, which is actually just as important than doing them. Uh, yo, it's your boy, Global Boys. Follow me at flopito.com. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. It's Christmas time. Support the homie by buying a t-shirt at flopito.threadless.com and learn more about Commander's Log and all the other shows under the new Amsterdam Entertainment banner at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W. That's new as in knowledge. Amsterdam.com. But until next time, say it, John. Uh, Live long and prosper, everybody. Now let's hit 10 forward. I want to drink some Romulan ale. Yeah.